Good morning. What a blessing to be back at First Free Methodist again. Such a, such a blessing for us to be with you. Uh, really honored. Virginia and I are just, just back a little over a week. I think we got back the day before um, Thanksgiving. And so just pretty much over jet lag now. It, just, it, takes, it takes a while, uh, especially coming when some places are 12 and 13 and 14 hours difference time zone. We're really grateful though, we're so grateful to be able to be here with you this Sunday and I want to start just by thanking you very, very much for what uh, we like to call your gospel partnership. You know, as the Apostle Paul says, you have been our partners in spreading the good news about Jesus Christ. And that's very true about you as one of our partner churches. We're grateful for your ongoing support, really beyond words, dear friends. Um, we're grateful for your financial support and your prayers, not only for us, but for Father's work around the world. We know you have a rich, deep history of supporting kingdom work all around the world, and you have many missionaries. And those of us who are your missionaries feel as if we're a, a small part of your fellowship, um, an extension, maybe even, of your ministry. And so through us, we believe that you've joined Jesus in his mission to bring the love and light of the kingdom to Asia. Again, you know who we are. We've already been well introduced, so grateful for Pastor Camille. Um, we've been married for over 36 years, me and Virginia, and we have four grown children. We also have a granddaughter that we're especially delighted with these days, and I couldn't resist showing you a picture on this next slide of her. There she is. Yeah, so sweet. We could just end the sermon right here. It's an, uh, she's so sweet. We love her so much and her parents and all of our kids. We've been a part of the Free Methodist family for over 30 years, having served as a pastor here in the Pacific Northwest, as Camille mentioned, and then now as area director. Um, I'm honored in my role as Asia Area Director not only to oversee the Free Methodist missionaries sent from the U.S. to Asia, but also to work with national leaders in 20 countries in Asia. It's pretty amazing. The Free Methodist Church has a presence in, I think, over 100 countries, and at least 20 of them are in Asia. We get to work with people like you'll see on this, in this group photo on the next slide. Now, of course, here you can see me and Virginia, but next is Fuang and Helri. They are two newly married young Asian leaders who were just commissioned as our newest international missionaries. So we not only now send missionaries from the U.S. to Asia, but now we're sending Free Methodist Asians to other Asian countries, which is wonderful and remarkable. Fuang is from uh, Vietnam, and she has an incredible testimony of the Father's love and has already helped many other young people come to know the Lord Jesus and grow in their devotion to Him. Her husband, Helri, is next, and Helri is a Free Methodist ordained pastor from the Philippines. So if we can raise support for them, they will be sent probably to Southeast Asia by the middle of this next year. But also in this photo are very good friends of ours, uh, Dr. Darren and Jill Land. Darren serves as my associate director and oversees our leadership development scheme that we call Gethsemane Leadership 
training. We have this audacious goal in Asia of trying to influence one million people to, to Jesus. One million people. And that may seem like a lot until you remember that Asia has over four billion people. Well, we think in order to reach a million people, we need to train 10,000 new leaders. And so that's Darren's responsibility. Um, we have about 40 missionaries that form the FMWM Asia missionary team. On the next slide, you'll see me in Virginia with Fung Wan and her husband Isaac. Both Fung Wan and Isaac are pastors. And Fung Wan is the next is the nominee for the next superintendent for the Hong Kong Free Methodist Annual Conference. We expect her to be elected at the next meeting that I'll preside over in May. We're very excited to work with her. She'll serve after Raymond Wong, who has been superintendent for some time now. So please pray for the Hong Kong Free Methodist Church, about 15, 20 churches. The socio-political situation in Hong Kong has become challenging if you follow the news, and the church seeks to be a witness and a blessing in the midst of that challenge. On the next slide, you'll see us with a photo of Superintendent Daniel Saar, who leads our work in Cambodia. We have 30 churches in Cambodia, and Daniel has a vision to plant 300 house churches in the next 10 years. It's a wonderful vision. We'll be in Phnom Penh just after the first of the year to uh, oversee their annual conference. Earlier this year, um, the Cambodian church baptized over 150 people on one day. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Next photo, I'd love to introduce you to Alan and Amabel Bacchus. Alan is the former bishop of the Philippine Free Methodist Church. And about a year ago, when his term finished, they joined our FMWM Asia team as international missionaries working to develop house churches in key gateway cities. Um, we've already got a start in Singapore and in Kuala Lumpur, believe it or not. And uh, Alan and Amabel are planting a new church in the northernmost part of the Philippines in a place called the Ilocos region. You know, there's just not, <laughs> there's not enough time this morning to tell you about all of the 20 to 21 countries where we have free Methodist work or developing contacts. It's amazing. I would love to tell you about the work in India, which continues to thrive and do really well, or Bangladesh, where hundreds are finding Jesus every day. I'd love to tell you about Pakistan. Yeah, we have work in Pakistan now, where recently uh, a widow and two daughters were set free from slavery in a brick-making factory for just $800. Also in Pakistan, more than 350 recently heard the gospel at an event in a village. More than 100 of those gave their lives to Jesus. I could, I could tell you about wells that we've dug recently in this last year in Pakistan for just a few hundred dollars, and people not only got fresh, clean water, but they heard about the water of life. Um, I, could, I would love to tell you about some new developments in our free Methodist work in Japan or, or to tell you about the new work in Fiji. But <laughs> this is Christmas. This is the first Sunday in Advent, as we've already been reminded. Perhaps you can uh, hopefully sense a little enthusiasm and joy in my voice as I get to show you a few photos of the faces that we love in Asia. Friends, we're all on mission together. It's not my mission. As missionaries, it's not my mission. It's not the mission of the Free Methodist Church or of Free Methodist World Missions. The mission is the Father's. You can go to the next slide. This is Pakep on the left and 
He's the superintendent of our work in Myanmar. If you know anything about Burma, you know it's been really difficult there for a couple of years. And, you know, one conflict sort of overshadows the other conflict in our world. But stuff is really difficult there. On the right is Pastor A.D. He's one of our key leaders of the work in Pakistan that I was just talking about. We have 85 churches in Pakistan. But in all those places, the mission isn't theirs. It isn't Pakistan's mission. It's the Father's mission. The mission is God's, and yet in some amazing way, he's invited us to participate in it. And even if you don't go there, because of our partnership, you're participating in that mission. What a privilege. And if you think about it, what a joy to link arms and find all sorts of ways to tell people about Jesus. And listen to this, in one sense, it all begins with Christmas. It really does. Joy comes as we remember the true miracle at Christmas. The Father's mission is clear as we remember Christmas. Maybe we could even say that Christmas is a missions holiday. The Father sent the Son into the world with a task and mission of redemption, reconciliation, and love. And, and when you get a real sense of the message of that mission and it has captured your heart it's hard to keep it to yourself it's like joy that you can't contain look at the the joyful story all throughout the Christmas story the different scriptures and we'll look at a couple of them today there's joy in in the story of Luke 2 by the way the pictures that you're going to see from here on out they're still all free Methodist brothers and sisters in Asia I'll try to name them for you first is Pastor Tang from Vietnam okay but let's look at uh, the Luke 2 story and have in your mind Watch for joy, okay? Watch for the connection between joy and mission and how it spills out and how when you encounter this joy, you can't help but tell it. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken through the Roman Empire. This is the first census that when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancestral home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee and he took with him Mary to whom he was engaged who is now expecting a child. Next slide, there's Issa Lee from Hong Kong. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. That's a joyful thing anyway, right? She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in, strip, snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Next slide, Matthew from Thailand and his granddaughter. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Watch it. I bring you good news that will bring what? Great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. You saw the joy there, right? Don't miss it. Next slide, two of our pastors in Cambodia. Suddenly, suddenly, The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom his 
with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Next slide is Pastor Dim, one of our free Methodist pastors in Thailand. So they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. Did you notice that? After they encountered Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying, praising God. There's joy for all that they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. We still need to bring the good news, the message of good news to people. On this planet, there are now 8 billion people. Literally, there are still billions that have not heard the good news of great joy. And I can just, I'd like to just make the connection for us again between this idea of great joy that these shepherds witnessed and heard and expressed in the angelic choir and the overjoy, the joy that they experienced when they saw Jesus and also the fact that these shepherds told everyone what had happened and who, everyone that they met, what had happened. Sometimes I ask myself, you know, when the world keeps you from telling everyone that you see what has happened through the Lord Jesus? Next slide. This is Fuang and Helry at their commissioning. I mentioned them a little bit earlier. How beautiful, right? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, Romans 10 says. Friends, in your partnership with us, you are helping us get the good news out in Asia. I hope that brings you some measure of joy. I think it's, I think it's remarkable, this, this scene that the shepherds saw, right? Almost as if the heavens could not contain the joy. The first angel comes out and gives the message. And then there's this, like, this explosion of joy when the angelic choir comes out. Suddenly, with, with the announcement of the message of the gospel, the sky cracks open and uncontainable joy spills out in worship with a massive group of angels. We might say, that's a story, but almost too remarkable to believe. But that's exactly why it brings real joy. If you think about it, it seems unbelievable that God would love us that much, that he would take note of us, that he would see our sinfulness, our brokenness, our unfaithfulness, and yet long to reconcile himself so much that he sent his only son. I think note also as you probably have in past Christmases, note that the message came first to the lowest of society, the shepherds, right? Not to the religious, not to the high standing, but to the lowly shepherds. One man, one theologian observed this. Listen, he said, and is there not a world of meaning in the fact that it was very ordinary people, busy about very ordinary tasks, whose eyes first saw the glory of the coming of the Lord. He goes on to say, it means first that the place of duty, however humble, is the place of vision. It means second that it is the people who have kept to the deep, simple 
practices of life and have not lost the child heart to whom the gates of the kingdom most readily opens. Where's your heart this Christmas? Has it been a hard year? Are you aching? Are you feeling lost, a little empty, a little without hope? With, that, with Jesus, there's always hope. With Jesus, there is always hope. Whatever comes to mind right now that you feel like, wow, that is hopeless. With Jesus, there is always hope. Glory to God in the highest. Does the good news still cause joy to sort of spill out of your heart? It really is good news, isn't it? Can you say amen here? It really is good news. Peace on earth upon whom his favor rests. Just a reminder, the peace that the angel spoke of here is the Greek word erene, which is similar to the Hebrew word shalom, meaning peace. But it's more than just a settledness. It's more than just the absence of conflict. This peace is about completeness. It's about wholeness. And that's his message again as we celebrate Christmas this month. To you and to me, Jesus brings a sense of completeness. With him, you need nothing else. Wholeness and purpose. Let's not forget, without Jesus, we would be lost in our sinfulness. Headed for an eternity of loneliness in hell. Loneliness. Have you ever known loneliness here on earth? Without Jesus, you will be lonely forever. Condemned forever. Without Jesus and the message of the gospel, there would be no hope. No forgiveness. No real purpose in life beyond living and dying. The grave would in many ways be the end. Ah, but with Jesus... There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Nothing can separate us from the love of God for those who have trusted in Jesus. And God will cause all things to work together for our good because we love Him and because we trust Him. Uncontainable joy. We join with the angels to sing joy to the world. I mean, can you imagine what it must have been like after they had seen that, went to see Jesus and went back to the fields. I mean, they must have surely went back to those cold, dark fields changed. I mean, you can't really come face to face with Jesus and not be changed. One author said they were not only joyed, full of joy, but they were overjoyed. They had more than enough joy. On the next slide, you'll see my friend Hien. He's the superintendent of our free Methodist work in Vietnam. I wish there were time uh, to tell you story after story of God's faithfulness through the life of this man and how he has been used to help so many people encounter gospel joy. He and spent a number of years in prison essentially for his faith and the Holy Spirit was with him in that time very powerfully. On my first visit to Vietnam as Asia Area Director 10 years ago, we held our meetings in Ho Chi Minh City, formerly known as Saigon. And after the meeting, he and asked if I would be willing to go meet for coffee with a man from his congregation. And if you know me, you know I love coffee. So I said, of course, I'll go because it's Vietnamese coffee. And so we went and we uh, met Phuc, whom you'll see on the next slide. 
and that's some very delicious Vietnamese coffee. Phuc had met Jesus after many years of persistent and patient witnessing and prayer. I, I think you can see the joy of the Lord on his face. It's really there. During Phuc's devotional time, he has literally copied large portions of the Bible. Look at it. It's on this next, next slide. This is what Pastor Hean asked some of his congregation members to do to get the Bible into their lives. Copy the entire Bible. So that's what he's done. We'll go back, to, go to the next slide. After we had our coffee, one more, or go one back. One more. You might, you might, we might have had a duplicate. Go back to Fook. Yeah, I just want you to see him. After we had our coffee, Fook told me that he was there in Ho Chi Minh because of his son, Hugh, who was in the hospital. Um, Hugh had fallen deep into drugs and alcohol and got mixed up in the really dark side of life. In fact, Hugh was in the hospital because he had been stabbed and his situation was quite urgent. And his foot was trying to figure out how to get him from south back to his home in the, in the central. And we, we, Virginia and I felt compelled to give a small gift to help that happen and get him back home. Well, over the next years, Hugh had opportunity to meet some of the strong Christian young adults that are part of the Free Methodist family in central Vietnam. And Hugh's life was powerfully transformed when he met Jesus. Now you can skip ahead to his picture. Go one, two. There. Perfect. Perfect. That's Hugh. His life was powerfully transformed. And, and uh, he was just recently at our leadership conference in Thailand just a couple of weeks ago. That's when this picture was taken. Like the, like the shepherds that night in Bethlehem, the trajectory of Hugh's life was changed by gospel joy when he encountered Jesus. He's now very quick even in the context of his country, he's very quick to give testimony to what the Lord has done in his life. Right after that conference that we were at together, Hugh accompanied one of our other missionaries to meet with a young woman named Lan. You can see her on this next slide. She's in blue. And they met for lunch. And uh, Hugh was there to do translation. Lan was afraid of Christianity because of the situation in her country and because of what she had heard. But Hugh's testimony of joy was, was infectious, maybe, and intriguing. And as Sherry, our missionary, shared with Jesus, um, with her, what Hugh was translating, she prayed, Lan prayed and put her faith in Jesus. All of the... All over the scriptures, we can find joy spilling out and changing lives. Isaiah's prophecy alludes to it, right? The people living in darkness will see a great light. A son will be given to us. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. If you think about the context of today, doesn't that bring you joy? Thinking about what it will be like when the Prince of Peace comes what joy it brings to look to Jesus, to look beyond the conflict and war and the suffering of this world to eternity. I hope, that, I hope the word joy will be a trigger for you this month of Advent. Every time you hear the word joy, every time you sing the word joy, come thou long expected Jesus, and you sing the word joy in there, you're reminded of what Jesus has done for you and what Joy can come in your heart as you turn and look to Him. Let's just peek at one more Christmas story and look for that joy and the transformation. We heard the scripture read at the beginning. That part of the Christmas story um, took place maybe one or two years later. 
from Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, it's important not to assume that those three kings came right after the shepherds, right? Sometimes TV shows and stories make it seem like the shepherds came and then right after them the, the, king, the kings came and right there in the manger. But it's more likely that this story took place one or two years later. You'll remember the story of the wise guys, right? I mean, it's really incredible, again, uh, to think that God spoke to these pagan magicians, maybe because his own people couldn't or wouldn't hear. I, I think that's a, that's a helpful thought to contemplate at Christmas, at least for me. Am I in a place... Am I in a place, even this Advent again, where if the Father wants to speak to me through His Word, I'm ready to hear and listen. I'm not going to miss what the Father wants to say, say to me. So they, they come to Bethlehem looking for this new king, these wise men that have been born and Herod's threatened. They're, though they are just compelled to find Jesus following a star, and that's where we want to just review the story in Matthew chapter 2 in the next couple of slides. This is Fuang again. When they saw the star, they were filled with what? Yeah. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to go back the same way. When they saw the miraculous star, it wasn't just a comet or some coincidence. It was a miraculous star. When they saw that star that led to the end of their search, they were filled with joy. And they worshipped Jesus and gave him the gifts. We believe those gifts that they brought were significant, right? One commentator writes, in gold is a symbol of deity and glory. It speaks of the shining perfection of Jesus' divine personhood. Frankincense, it was significant. It's an ointment or a perfume, and it suggests the fragrance of the life of this sinful, sinless perfection that Jesus had. I mean, I'm reminded of where Paul said that those of us who know Jesus, we give off a kind of fragrance, the smell of life to those who are being saved. Myrrh, they brought, is a bitter herb, and it brings to mind the sufferings that Jesus would endure in bearing the sins of the world. I think the gifts were significant both for the giver and to the receiver, as they are today. Those of us who know Jesus... And, and understand the, the gifts given to us as uh, part of our Holy Spirit filling, understand that we have gifts to offer as well. And they're very significant. Every person here is gifted uniquely and has something to offer to the kingdom and to God's mission. It's a significant thing. I mean, the Lord gave us the greatest gift, right, in giving Jesus. Every gift is significant. Paul says in Romans 12, present your whole self as a gift as a sacrifice, as an act of worship. Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. What we give to the Lord is very significant. 
And I just pause again and tell you, when you give to missions, it's a significant gift. But what we give to him is significant, and it's so much more than just money. For example, God's greatest gift of generosity had nothing to do with money. His greatest gift of generosity had nothing to do with money. With the Spirit's help, I try to constantly think about how can I be generous with my life, with my time, and even with a smile. There'll be people that you'll encounter during this Advent season going in and out of um, stores, maybe, maybe people that are far from the Lord Jesus and they want to be seen and known and you can be generous with your look of Dignity, you know, giving them dignity and honor by saying they are seen. That you recognize the image of God in them. These wise men were generous, maybe beyond the monetary value of the gifts. But we know this story well. I just, I'd like to just invite you this morning to notice the picture of transformation that happens here. I'm not suggesting this is the teaching intent of Scripture, but this idea that they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod so they returned by another route I think in a spiritual sense this is what happens to us too when we kneel before Jesus we we can't get up and leave the same when the uncontainable joy of Jesus fills our souls we are different we'll not be the same and I would suggest to us that it's not just the first filling of transforming uncontainable joy it's not just the first time but every time we return to Jesus I was remarking to Virginia on the way down here this morning that uh, one of the one of the wonderful blessings of coming back to Jesus is realizing that when you try to figure out how to deal with a conflict or a difficulty or or the presses pushes and pulls of life it's it you, you try to figure that out how to get yourself out of that but a simple act of looking to Jesus can bring joy into your heart all over again don't miss the power of God's transforming love for you again this Christmas friends I'm convinced that every time we revisit what Jesus does for us we can be infused with fresh joy and a compulsion, a compulsion to help others know that joy. Let me tell you one last story. On the next slide, you can meet Nancy. And in a remote, in a remote tribal village of northeast Myanmar in Shan State, Nancy lived with her father, who is the chief of that village. Um, as the chief's daughter, she was protected and had some status until her father died. And then she became ill. After months of suffering, Nancy heard of a man who prayed for people. Remember, she was Buddhist, right? She heard of a man who prayed for people, and after he prayed, many of them got well. She learned that he was a Christian pastor named Davut, actually one of our free Methodist pastors. And she sent for him, invited him to come. Soon Davut was in her modest hut praying for her. Her physical healing led to her spiritual healing as Pastor Davut shared the gospel with her. And it wasn't long before she was praying regularly. But the new chief did not like her conversion to Christianity as this was a completely Buddhist village. So to dissuade her newfound faith, he threatened to kill her 
if she did not renounce Jesus. So she fled the village. She left. Hungering to, more, to know more about Jesus, she traveled to Pastor Davout's Bible college to enroll in the six-month discipleship program. And eagerly, she read the Bible and learned about and worshiped Jesus. And joy began to fill her heart. Nancy attended the Free Methodist Church annual conference meeting in Kalamio, Myanmar. It was a few years ago now, and I, I was overseeing that. And she became a conference ministerial candidate. A U.S. friend who was also with us offered to purchase a mobile phone the one she's holding there, so that Nancy could be in contact with Superintendent Pakap and Pastor Davout for encouragement. You know, it's in a village where she's the only Christian. Here, here's a, here's a phone. And, you know, she just became convinced that others in her village needed Jesus. So even though there was this threat on her life, she boldly returned, and the chief's opposition continued. When she prayed out loud in the mornings and evenings, the chief threw rocks at her hut, trying to get her to stop. She was scolded by other villagers. But soon, soon, some people began to listen. And a few found faith in Jesus. Now, this village where she lived was so remote, remote that Nancy had to travel over difficult roads and mountains and trails nearly seven miles to a mountaintop where she could find cell phone signal. Just, I was trying to think, how far would it be? How far would seven miles be here? You know, would it be shoreline? Maybe not that far. I mean, she traveled on foot over mountains and trails just to get a cell phone signal. And the rest of the village had to do that too. They had to all make that trek a couple times a week. Seven miles up, make the call, seven miles back, right? And the chief had to do that too. Um, so one time, uh, one occasion, she returned from making a call. And when she was up there, she would call Pakap or, or Davut and they would pray together. And so one time she comes back all the way seven miles back down, gets into her hut, and she puts the phone into the basket right on the wall there. You can see it in the picture. And as she put the phone in there and turned the walk away, it rang. And quickly, she reached back in and picked it up. And it was Pastor Davout on an accidental call. But she learned that miraculously, there was a three-foot circle in that one exact spot in her hut that could somehow receive and make cell phone calls. Soon the chief learned. <laughs> right? And he humbly came to the house to ask if, uh, can I use your hut to make a call? <laughs> Nancy agreed. And Nancy now has a small fellowship meeting in her hut every week. And listen to this. The chief has now made a commitment to her. If in five years most of the village is Christian, then the remaining Buddhists will move. If most of the village is Buddhist, then Christians are to move. Isn't it remarkable? You here this morning, in hearing that story, you can join, link arms with Nancy and participate in the Father's mission in Myanmar just by praying that people in that village will find Jesus. There's this great invitation that brings joy where we can also bring great news of great joy. It just is, it's, it's an amazing opportunity to share the unspeakable 
uncontainable joy. So friends, just so grateful. I, I, I've, I've said it so many times, I know, but I, I can't tell you how grateful we are to be able to be partnered with you, for to know that you're giving generously because the gospel is at work and people are finding uh, great joy as they encounter Jesus. Let's stand together and pray. Father, thank you for the joy that we know in Jesus that we celebrate every Christmas, but we thank you that that joy is present with us all throughout the year. And Lord, we know that joy is a choice that we make, not just an emotional state. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's a choice to turn to Jesus. It's a choice in our minds to go back to the stable in Bethlehem in our mind's eye or to the cross or to the, the empty tomb and be filled with joy again at what you have done for us, Father, through the Lord Jesus. Spirit, we welcome you again this morning to fill our hearts with uncontainable joy so that we might join the angelic choir and, and erupt out with all the goodness and love that we have experienced and share with others. Thank you for this church. I pray, please bless Pastor Craig and Pastor Camille and the other leaders on staff and this church. Bless them with all that you have intended for them, that they would be a significant, continued witness in this community. Father, I pray that men and women and boys and girls, even this month, would come to know the Lord Jesus through the, uh, the carnival, through the celebrations, through, through lighting candles. Lord, may it be so. May they hear the good news of great joy as well. Thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.